not going to worry about the time, right? Okay. Uh, but First uh, Peter chapter 4, as Rachel said, my heart is already full, and, uh, and we haven't even gotten into the Word, and uh, I'm just, I'm blessed and excited to share what God has put in my heart from His Word. First Peter uh, chapter 4, we are in a series that we titled uh, Christian Living. I'll talk more about that uh, when I begin to introduce my message. The title of today's message is Stewardship, and the subtitle is The Impact of an Intentional Life. I think I preached from this text a few years ago, but as we've been praying and Pastor Lucas and I have been talking, God led us to this a scripture uh, for this morning. 1 Peter chapter 4, we're going to begin reading in verse 7 uh, through uh, 11, and we're going to focus on verse 10 this morning. The, the Apostle Peter writes, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling, as each has received a gift Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Verse 10 is what we're going to be focusing on this morning. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And thank you for your Holy Spirit, which illuminates and gives us understanding of your word. Thank you that when we serve you, we can depend on your strength that you supply so that in everything, Jesus is glorified. And we pray right now, oh God, for your strength. I pray that uh, you would give the hearers, everyone who's here, strength and understanding and illumination through your spirit to hear everything that you want us to hear this morning. And give me strength, oh God. Give me strength to preach your word and the power of your spirit, God, I pray, for the edification of the saints and to the glory of your name. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As I mentioned already, we are in a series uh, on Christian living, we've been looking at some vital truths, some vital truths from the Word of God about living uh, the Christian life, living the Christian life. And let me make a, a very biblical and bold statement this morning. If you, listen, if you are not living an intentional Christian life, you're wasting your life. If you're not living an intentional Christian life, you are wasting your life. Last week we learned that in order not to waste our lives, we must walk in wisdom by redeeming the time, the precious time that God has gifted to all of us. How many of you know that, that the time that you have is precious? It's precious because God has given it 
to us. You know, we are not to kill time. As some are accustomed to saying. Have you ever heard someone say, I'm just killing time? Have you ever said it? I'm just killing, killing time. Time is life. Time is life. If, if you're killing time, you're, you're, killing, you're killing life, which is, once again, a, a precious gift from God. On the contrary, as Christians, we are to redeem the time by seizing opportunities that God gives us to serve others for his glory. You know, God has just been uh, speaking to me about this in a very deep, deep way. Uh, uh, I have just this greater sense of the preciousness of, of time, realizing that time is life. And time has been, and life has been gifted to us by God. And guess what? People have life. People possess life. So, so people are precious too. And so what should, we be, what should we be doing with the precious time that, that God has given it to us? Investing it in, in people. Amen. Serving those that God has, has put around us. Let me ask you. Do you, see your, do you see yourself as the owner of your life and the resources, the resources that you have? Now think about that question real carefully. Do you see yourself this morning as the owner of your life and the owner of all the resources that you have? This morning we are going to see that to live an intentional Christian life, which will make an impact in time and eternity, we need to rec recognize that we are not the owners of our lives or resources. How I many of you know God is the owner? Amen. Praise God. God is the owner, and we are stewards. We are managers. We are to view our lives. Listen, we are to view our lives as a stewardship from God. Now, let me give you an, an, excellent, an excellent biblical definition for stewardship. Uh, we'll put it up on the screen for you. Stewardship is caring for what belongs to God. It is rooted in the recognition that everything we have is from God and everything we have is God's. Amen. Now, let's, uh, let me give you the main idea of our, of our message this morning. Every believer, if you're saved today, the Bible, we're talking about you. God is, is talking to you. Every believer is graced with spiritual and physical resources by which they are to faithfully serve God's kingdom agenda. And to unfold this theme, we're going to learn some lessons about what it means to be good stewards of all that God has entrusted to us for the advancement of his kingdom, for our good and, and the good of, of, of others, the good of those that God has, has strategically placed around us. So we're, going to look, we're going to look at some lessons for how to be good stewards, okay? And here's the, the first lesson. Listen, believers have been strategically given grace, given gifts, strategically, strategically. God's word says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, as each has received a gift. 
Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. And I want us to focus on that first phrase in verse 10, as each has received a gift. You know, when Peter wrote that, he was writing to believers during a time of, of persecution. During a time of persecution, they were, they were uh, uh, being scattered. Believers were being scattered and, and dispersed because of, of persecution. Uh, they were being thrown in prison. Some were being martyred for the faith. And during this time, uh, Peter is encouraging. If you read the, 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 the whole uh, letter of Peter, he's, he's teaching believers how to live the Christian life. He's not telling them, run and hide. And here in America, we got it made. We got it made. What are we doing with our, with our lives? We're not under persecution like many Christians are in other parts of the world. And we ought to be thankful. And, and, and rather than, than living comfortably in this life and, and thinking that, that the Christian life is a, uh, uh, or, or living the Christian life. You know, some people think that, or that they, they made the Christian life a, a, a spin on, a, on, a, on the American dream. They think that, that, uh, that living the Christian life is living the American dream. That's what we think here in America. That's not what it is. That's not what it is. And, and Peter is reminding persecuted believers of this. But I think we need to be reminded even more. Amen. What should we be doing with our lives? with all that God has given to us. Peter's, Peter writes, as each has re received of gift. Notice here that the gifts, notice here that the gifts that every believer receives is referred to, referred to also by Peter as God's varied grace. He says in verse 10, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Grace. What does Peter mean by God's varied grace? You know, when we think about grace, we, also think, we, we often think about, you know, when we got saved, that, that we're saved by grace. What does grace mean in the context of our salvation? The unmerited favor of God, right? That we didn't earn our salvation. I love that acronym that, that somebody came up, for, came up with for grace. God's riches at, at Christ's, Christ's expense. Unmerited favors, our understanding of, of grace. But you know, the word grace uh, is used to mean much more than, than unmerited favor in the Bible. The word grace can refer to spiritual strength. Peter, I'm sorry, the Apostle Paul talked about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9 when, when he said, when he talked about how God's strength is made perfect in weakness. In that same context, he said that, that God's grace is sufficient right, for all things. And so the grace of God uh, can mean the strength that God gives us, the strength that God supplies for us to, to endure trials, for us to serve God. But grace can also be connected, listen, not only to, to spiritual strength that God gives us, but it can be connected to physical resources also. 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 19, Paul calls sacrificial, listen, Paul calls sacrificial and generous giving by the church an act of grace. In 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. For the gifts that God has given to us to serve, and if you're saved, God has given you gift, gifts or great, or gifts or, or a gift or gifts. Those gifts are grace, a grace from God that he's bestowed upon you. We've been given diverse grace. Not only different gifts, but 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 given we've been given those grace that those graces and or that those gifts and uh, in various degrees in various degrees and all to serve uh, one another to the glory of Christ. Someone say amen. Now, what is expected of believers by whom by by God by God? What is expected of believers by God to whom He has strategically given spiritual and physical resources? What if you if you've been graced by God in such a way? What is it? What is expected of you by God? Every believer, listen. Every believer has been supplied, equipped, fashioned, and gifted by God in diverse ways and to various degrees for an explicit purpose, namely to serve others unto greatness in Christ. Now, this leads us to our second lesson of what it means to be good stewards or to live an intentional life. Listen, if you're saved, if you're saved, you've been uniquely graced and gifted by God to serve others graciously. Not to live the American dream. Right? That's a, that's a Christian spin on, on how we are to live our lives. We've been graced to serve others graciously. Somebody say amen. The, the apostle Peter writes, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. Use it to serve one another. Let me ask you, are you using the spiritual and physical resources that God has given to you to serve those that he has strategically placed around you? Are you serving others with the gifts that God has given you, the physical and the spiritual? Do you recognize that God has assigned you to where you are your family, your church, your, your vocation, you've been assigned there. You've been placed there by God to fulfill his explicit purpose. And how many of you know that until you discover and live out God's explicit purpose for your life, you will not experience true satisfaction and contentment in life? Can I get a witness? I love what Helen Keller said. Uh, uh, I got this from a book that Daniel Henderson wrote about the deeper life. If you've never read The Deeper Life, get that book by Daniel Henderson. In fact, we're going to do a seminar in our church about it. But listen to what Helen Keller said. And as many of you know, she was blind. Many persons have the wrong idea of what constitutes true happiness. It is not obtained through self-gratification, but through fidelity to a worthy purpose. If you lack 
a deep sense of satisfaction in life, it'd be good for you, for you to ask yourself this question this morning. Am I being a faithful steward of God by using the resources he's entrusted to me to serve others? Ask yourself that question. Am I being a faithful steward of what God has entrusted to me, spiritual resources and physical resources? Am I being a faithful steward of those by serving others? If you're not, I have to tell you this morning, on the authority of the Word of God, you're wasting your life. You're wasting your, you're missing it. Can I get a witness this morning? You're missing it. You know, some believers say, if I knew what my spiritual gift was, I would serve God. Have you ever said that? If I knew what my spiritual gift was, I would serve God. Or sometimes believers ask, how do I know what my spiritual gifts are? And they're asking that in the context of, of, of serving the Lord and, 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 or, or even as an excuse for not serving uh, the Lord. You know, in a moment, we're going to take that excuse away from you, and we're going to give you some keys for how you can discover uh, uh, God's spiritual uh, gift or gifts that he has bestowed upon you. But uh, I want us to see, first of all, that I believe that there's a greater hindrance to why many Christians are not serving the body of Christ. Listen, the issue is not first that we lack the means or the methods, but the motivation. Can I get a witness this morning? It's not that we don't know what to do. It's not that we lack the means, because if you have the Holy Spirit, you have the means. Amen. And it's not so much that we lack the methods, although we need to learn some things about how to serve others. We need to learn what it means to, to disciple others and how to disciple others. We need to take the training. But can I tell you, that's not the biggest hindrance to why believers are not making disciples. It's not that they lack the method of how to do it. It's that they lack the motivation. Can I get a witness this morning? We lack the, the motivation. You know, I mentioned that the word grace in the Bible is a very dynamic word. It not only speaks of of the unmerited favor of God, but it speaks of the physical and, and spiritual resources that we have received from God to serve others. But listen, so, so, so grace, can, grace can mean the means that God gives us to serve others. But can I tell you that grace should be our motivation? Amen. Grace should be our greatest motivation. I want us to see that grace is not only the means by which we serve, but the motivation. And we see this clearly in the life of the Apostle Paul. If you have a Bible, turn it to 1 Peter chapter 15. And I think we have this verse on the screen, but I love what, what Peter says. And I'm sorry, Paul says in 1 Peter chapter 15 and, and verse 10. And I pray that this is your testimony. Peter, Paul, I'm sorry, writes. In 1 Peter chapter 15 and verse 9, For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. 
but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is in me. Notice that he uses grace in two ways. He speaks of the grace that saved him, right? I am what I am by the grace of God. It was the grace of God that saved me. But he also talks about how he works harder than anybody, but not him. It was the grace of God in him, the strength that God supplies. So there he speaks of grace as his motivation and the means by which he serves the Lord. But what I want to point out is notice that that Paul says, on the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Was Paul saying that because he was bragging? Was Paul trying to tell the church in Corinth, listen, I work harder than ever, all of you. As a, as a, in, in a, was he saying that in a prideful way? No, no, no. Listen, he was expressing how he shows God. He was expressing to them how he shows God his appreciation for the grace that God had bestowed upon him. He knew that he was a man deserving judgment because he persecuted the church and because he was a sinner. But rather than giving, but rather than receiving judgment, he received grace from God. Amen. He received grace from God. And listen to what he says uh, in. Uh, I love this. He says in verse 10, but, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. You know what Paul is saying there? I don't want uh, to waste the grace that God has given me. Amen? And the way that I'm not going to waste it is I'm going to work hard. I'm going to serve God with the strength that he supplies. To Paul, listen, grace was not a license to sin. To Paul, grace was not an excuse to be lazy. I'm not going to go to prayer meeting tonight because, you know what? After all, I'm saved by grace. Right? I'm saved by grace. You know, I know I'm not supposed to do that, but after all, I'm saved by grace. That's not how we're to view grace. If you view grace like that, you have a perverted view of grace. Can I get a witness today? Man, when you are saved by the grace of God and you understand the grace of God that you were a sinner, but Jesus went to the cross for you and he paid the price for your salvation, you're not going to view grace like that. You're, gonna, you're not going to turn the grace of God into a license of sin. It's going to motivate you to serve God to the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen. And it's not going to be an excuse to be lazy. You're going to want to work hard because you know that Jesus paid it all for you and you want to give your all to him. Can we put our hands together this morning? That's our motivation. That's our motivation. Oh, listen, because of grace, because of grace, Paul didn't see his life as belonging to himself but to God along with all his possessions, and he was going to use it all to the praise of his glory and grace. And let me tell you this morning, that's how not to waste your life. Amen? Now, this leads us 
to our final point. Those who live an intentional life with, the, with the eternal impact understand, first of all, that they have been strategically given diverse grace. And secondly, in view of God's diverse grace, they serve others graciously. And lastly, because of God's amazing grace, they steward their gifts. They steward well their particular gifts. Peter wrote that believers, in verse 10, that believers are to serve one another. Listen to what he writes at the end of verse 10. As good stewards of God's varied grace. Once again, good stewardship is managing well our resources and recognition that everything we have is from God and is God's. Now, let me ask you again how are you managing the physical and spiritual resources that you have received from the Lord? Are you managing them well? You know, we often hear in church, we often hear in church that, that we are to give our time and talents and, and treasures to serve the kingdom of God. If you've heard that before, say amen. Right? We hear that a lot in church. We are to give of our time, talents, and treasures uh, to, to serve the Lord. What does this mean? What, did this, what does this mean? You know, time, talents, and treasure refer to three main stewardships, to, to, the, to the three main stewardships of our lives. Those are it right there, time, talents, and, and, and treasure. And let's, let's examine these three stewardships briefly. We're just going to look at them real briefly. We, we hear them a lot in church, but I want us to examine what, 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 what they mean. First, listen, we are to use our God-given time to serve others. Last week, we learned about how God wants us to make the best use of our time. Now, I don't want to spend a, 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 spend a lot of time going over what we, what we, what we learned last week. Uh, it, it was a lot of good stuff, and if you missed it, it's, the message is online. But listen, I do want to highlight one thing that we learned regarding priority, priorities. To live, listen, an intentional life, we have to be intentional about fulfilling God-ordained priorities. If you want to make the best use of your time, you have to be intentional about fulfilling God-ordained priorities. And I love the way Daniel Henderson puts this, and we'll have it on the screen for you here. Um, listen to what Daniel Henderson wrote. I tell people often, the power of no is in a stronger yes. The ability to discard distractions is rooted in a firm understanding of the best priorities. We must embrace these priorities with a passionate yes in our heart of hearts. When distractions come, no becomes, no becomes a positive Christian word because it is rooted in strong convictions about the best and highest commitments Amen. And let me give you an example of what Daniel Henderson is writing about. And I heard this example from Pastor David Jeremiah. I shared it with you a few years ago, but half of you weren't even here. And you need to hear it again. Pastor David Jeremiah was, 
was leaving church in a hurry after a long day uh, in the office because he was going to his son's basketball game. And on the way out, he, he runs into a church member who came to the office because he, he needed counseling. And when he saw Pastor, Jer- Pastor David Jeremiah, he said, Pastor, you're just the person that I wanted to see. I'm going through something in my life. I got a problem, and, and I, I, need, I need some counseling. And Pastor David Jeremiah said, I, I'm sorry, but, but I'm, on my, I'm on my way out. But you know what? There's some other pastors here, and, and I'm sure they'll be able to help you and give you the, the counseling that you need. And he says, what? You're my pastor. I need your, you to counsel me. I'm going through a crisis right now. And Pastor David Jeremiah said, I understand. But there is more than one pastor in this church. But my son only has one father. Amen. Pastor David Jeremiah understood that if he was going to live an intentional life that made an impact in time and eternity, he had to know what his priorities were. And everything else... Amen, evolves around those uh, priorities. To steward well our time, or to steward our time well, we we must identify God-ordained priorities and with with Holy Spirit conviction and courage and grace, manage our time around them. Secondly, we are to use our talents or gifts to serve others. But pastor, how do I know what my spiritual gifts are? Now, let me give you quickly one key principle to discerning, uh, to discerning your giftedness. And uh, we'll put this principle on the screen so you can write it down. We will not prove what is the will of God, and that includes your spiritual gift, discerning your spiritual gift. We will not prove what is the will of God until we first present ourselves fully in worship to God. And we see that found in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Let's look at it in the King James Bible. The Apostle Paul writes, I beseech you, or I appeal to you, therefore, brother, and by the mercies of God, that you present, somebody underscore the word present, if you have a King James Bible. That, and I believe it's another translation. It's translated like that in many other modern translations. Present yourselves, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Some translations say spiritual act of worship. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable. That ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Notice that in verse 1, Paul exhorts believers to present your bodies unto God. And in verse 2, he gives the results that you, that you may prove, that you may prove what is that perfect and acceptable and perfect and, and will of God, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And then the rest of the passage after that talks about spiritual gifts. It lists a number of spiritual gifts. Listen, if we're going to prove, discern God's will for our lives and carry it out, we must first present our bodies to God as a living sacrifice. How many of you know we will not prove 
what is the will of God until we first present our bodies, our lives in worship to God. Pastor Lucas alluded to this last week when he taught us about the difference between the general and the particular will of God. You know, that an important, listen, an important key to discovering the particular will of God, like spiritual gifts, is first, is by first obeying the general will of God. Like, be kind one to another, which applies to all of us. Do what you know God wants you to do. And in the process of obeying God and, and following God in areas that are clear in the word of God, in the process of being obedient, in the, in the process of, being, of following Jesus, you'll discover and discern your, your particular gift. Can I get an amen this morning? You know, someone might be thinking, Pastor, God never speaks to me about the, speci about the specific things he wants me to do. Brother and sisters, maybe it's because he's clearly spoken to you about his general will, and you're not listening. Can I get a witness this morning? Do you want to know, do, 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 you, do, you do what you know God wants you to do where you are, and in the process, you will come to know the particular gifts and callings of God upon your life. Now, thirdly, thirdly, listen, we are to use the treasures or financial resources that God has entrusted us with to serve God's kingdom. In his book, The Treasure Principle, Randy Alcorn shares this vital principle about managing our finances for God. I love this principle. He writes, I believe we'll have it on the screen for you. God prospers me not to raise my standards of living, but to raise my standard of giving. You know that false prosperity, false prosperity theology teaches that we should give because that when we give, God will make us wealthy. That's, that's false teaching. Can I get an amen this morning? Listen, we don't give to be blessed financially. God blesses us financially to give. Amen. That's the right perspective. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. In other words, the greater blessing is in the giving, not in the receiving. Now, as we come to a close, let me ask you, are you being faithful are you being faithful with what God has entrusted to you to serve his kingdom agenda? Are you being faithful? You know, when it comes to being good stewards of God, I think that sometimes we ask the wrong questions. Oh, listen to me very carefully. We sometimes ask God for more direction when we haven't been faithful to do what, he, what he's already made clear to us. Can I get a witness? This may be as simple as becoming a church member. We want to discern God's gifts for our lives, but we haven't even taken the simple step, the basic step, the fundamental step to become a church member, to get baptized, to, to, to be a student of the Word of God. How are you going to discern God's will if you're not in the book? Amen. When it comes to your stewardship, are you asking God the right questions? Maybe you feel, I'm not happy where I am. And you've been asking God to lead you to another church where your needs will be better met. 
But listen, true happiness comes not from being served, but from serving others for the greater fame of Jesus. Amen. So, so listen, so maybe what you need to, to do is stop asking God to lead you somewhere else where your needs will be better served and start asking God for the grace and motivation to serve others where you are. Amen. You know, we sometimes ask God to give us what we don't have when we aren't being faithful with what we do have. I wish I had more to give, some may say, when God is saying, be faithful with what you have received now, and I will trust you with more later. In other words, be faithful with your finances, for example. Brothers and sisters, don't give God what's left over. Can I get a witness this morning? Don't give, don't give God what's left over. Put God first. Give in a way that honors God and, and recognizes his lordship over your life. Let me just give you some quick principles how to honor God with your finances. Some quick principles. We'll put them up, we'll put them up on the screen. Listen, when you, don't, don't give God what's left over, amen? Be a good steward. Be a good manager. Give in a way that recognizes God's ownership of your life. Give proportionately. What does that mean? A good biblical guideline and starting point is 10, 10% of your income. Amen? That's a good starting point. It's a biblical starting point. Here's another principle. Give sacrificially. Not just when it's convenient. Amen. Jesus gave his life for us. Amen. And, and let's, let's give sacrificially. Give systematically according to a fixed plan. Be intentional. Amen. When you budget, budget yourself, put God first in your budget. Amen. And, that, that, and by the way, that doesn't just mean put, put God on top of the list. Okay, I gave my 10%. How many of you know that 90% belongs to God too? Amen. So when you're managing your finances, remember, it all belongs to God. Manage it all well for the glory of God. You know, this year, my wife and I have, have made some adjustments because we don't want to just give 10%. We want to manage the 90% better so that we can give more. Amen? In light of all that God has done for us, we want to steward our finances well. Give proportionally. Give sacrificially. Give systematically. Give regularly. Be consistent where you're giving. If you weren't in church on, on Sunday, well, give double the next Sunday. Amen? Praise God. Give consistently with your giving. And I think we have one more. Give cheerfully. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. Amen? With, give with gladness and gratefulness for all the grace God has given to you in Christ. I remember a preacher saying, don't give until it hurts. Give until it feels good, amen? And it won't feel good until you practice these principles. Praise God. Amen. Remember, it's important that we ask the right questions in regards to stewardship. Instead, listen, instead of, what, instead of asking, what has the church done for me lately? Maybe we need to ask, what does God want me to do where I am with what he has given me to serve others? And maybe you need to stop seeking first to know your gifts 
and start seeking first the kingdom of God. Amen. In other words, surrender to God. To surrender to God. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, and then you approve what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, I believe some of us today need to pray this prayer right here. The musicians are going to come. The worship team is going to come. And, and, and some of us, perhaps, we need to pray this prayer. Can we put that prayer up there on the screen? Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus into this world to serve and give his life as a ransom for me. In view of your great love for me, I surrender my life to your service. Open my eyes to the needs around me. I trust that you have placed me where I am for your divine plans and that you've given me everything I need to fulfill them. Use me to make much of Jesus. In his glorious name I pray. Amen. Can we all stand together? Maybe you need to pray a prayer like that. And if that's you, I just want to encourage you just to get out of your seat, amen, and come up here. We're going to sing a, a song that, that reflects that prayer. Don't just sing it with your lips. Mean it with your heart. And perhaps you need to just, just slip out of your seat and, and come forward. And at the end of the song, I'm going to pray for everyone that's up here. Amen. But let's sing this song with our hearts as we come out of our seats and come up here for prayer, if that's what you need to do this morning. Let's sing.